Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Um, all right. We haven't started, but we are going to start. It's not, this isn't the start yet, okay? Look at Maureen. Maureen's like, I'm not getting involved with this. I'm just going to wait until Bristol does her early started. <laughs> Welcome to Women Talking Bollocks, a podcast where you'll hear, well, three women talking utterly bollocks. What you won't hear is anyone nattering on about fashion, makeup, diets, or those blinking Kardashians. I'm not even sure I know who they are, if I'm honest. But what you will hear is some uplifting, irreverent chat with myself, Jen Brister, and my two very dear friends, comedians and women the very wonderful, if slightly eccentric, Maureen Younger and the dashing, kind, charisma bomb that is Alison June Smith. Before we actually start today's podcast, we would like to thank our newest Patreon, Vicky. Vicky, we're delighted that you've joined us. You will be in receipt of some extra content, which... Frankly, you might not want, but it's coming your way. And also, we have some fantastic live online shows coming up. We will be doing our new material night again. Woohoo! On September 27th. So join us for that as we and a couple of guests stumble through some brand new material that we will share just with you. And then also on October 10th. 10th, we are doing an online live WTB as part of the Women in Comedy Festival. And you can pick up tickets to that at womenincomedy.uk. But I also believe we'll be putting some links up on our Facebook page as well. Well, I'm, I'm, then I'm ready. We've started then. This is it. This is the beginning. <laughs> We're in. It's so much different when we take our time to get in. <laughs> Isn't it? Doesn't that, that feels better, doesn't it? But we did it this way. We just went, oh, a little did the. Boom, we're in. That's it. How is everyone? Fine. Fuck. Oh, wow. The <laughs> that energy. was a real good sell. Energy. <laughs> Absolutely nothing from you two. Honestly, on Sunday, I did that dreaded thing. I went bra shopping. Bloody hell, that's a nightmare. Did someone help you? Did you get a bra fitting? Yeah, well, apparently they were booked until mid September. Oh, sorry, what? 
They're booked in till mid-September. He's booking in a bra fitting. A lot of girls who go to school for the first ever bra. Oh, is that it? Oh, yeah, that. that was it, apparently. I just guess. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so can I just give me the measuring tape? Not that I know what to do. And I think she just took one look at me and went, okay. And she actually measured me. But it took about over an hour. And then, you know, you're trying on bras. I actually wanted a black, because all my underwire bras, all the wire's gone out. Or I'm too fat, so they can't, I can't actually get them around me. So I need a bra. I actually need a black bra. But the only bra I liked was a white one. And I just thought, you know what? I've spent an hour. I've got to buy something. So I just bought the white bra. Isn't it just an annoying? I mean, I don't, I don't enjoy it particularly, but I don't find it quite as distressing as that because what I do is I sort of estimate. I think, oh, I think I'm this size. And then I go away and take it. And then whatever size it is, even if it doesn't fit, that's the size I am until that bra <laughs> dies. Okay. Now, is it supporting my breasts? Probably not. Is it uncomfortable? Sure, yeah. But that, I've committed to that bra. I'm not going to ever take it back. I'm not that person. Once I've bought something, I'm wearing it and I don't care how bad it looks. That's who I am. Isn't the fact that most women wear the wrong size bra? I mean, I wore a 36B from the first time I wore a bra till <laughs> no longer a 36B. But I just kept wearing it because you just buy the same size every time. I never used to get measured up. And then you get measured up at different places. So in one place I'd be like... A 38D, which I thought was very optimistic for them. And then the next time I'd be like a 36B and you're just like, can you just agree on what size I'm meant to be, for goodness sake? There's no standardizing. I went for a bra fitting one time uh, and I love this because the woman's like, you know, looking at my cup size, looking around. All right. <laughs> and then at one point she literally used this phrase. Well, there you go. There we've got the bra now. That's going to fix all your problems. And I was like, I, I was unaware. I had problems. <laughs> and, then, and then I took it on a greater scale as I could have fixed all my problems, really. So my finances are in order now. And like, I'm going to fix all your <laughs> my problems. My career is going great. <laughs> Who knew? A wrong sizing bra determines your life, everyone. So go get a proper fitting, I guess. Are you getting bigger or smaller? I think in front staying the same, but I'm getting more inches around the, around the girth, so to speak. I am getting smaller. I actually cannot. I am at that point now where I'm loath to admit this. I started as a C cup when I had boobs. And then I went down to a B cup and now I'm an A cup. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think I'm even feeling that. <laughs> what do I do? Do I go down to a, is it a double A? Is that what happens? Isn't that what pre-teens wear double A's? <laughs> I've gone wide around the back because I've, I need to go smaller in the cup. So I've got a 38A. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to tell everybody, all the WTB listeners, this is my bra size. Here we go. Bra talk. Yeah. I think I'm a 38A. But I have noticed there's a lot of room in the A cup. <laughs> and that, to me, is one of the most distressing things I've witnessed in a long time, is to see my tiny little boobs swimming around in an A cup. What the hey-ho has happened? Do you think it's the swimming you're doing? I don't think it's the swimming more. And I think it's just I've got little tiny boobs now. And it's upsetting because I used to have a good rack. <laughs> yeah, they do get smaller. They get smaller. They also, um, I hate to bring this up, but they, they, I don't know about you girls, but they start to hang a little bit more. So as they hang a little bit more, they're not as full. What? Never. <laughs> Jen, are you about to take off? Jen was like undoing her shirt. I was like, oh, oh this okay. Is the extra material. This is it. Here we. <laughs> you guys got ten thousand downloads. <laughs> Our patron will go up because I'm what Jen Brister taking off top. <laughs> Not once they've seen the boobs. I'll go. Oh, let's have a look. Oh dear. Oh, put God. It back on. <laughs> put it back on, woman. I was just opening my shirt just to have a little feel of my boobs, and I was thinking, do you know what? 
I remember a time in my early 20s, right, where I went, I did a bit of backpacking around. I was in Thailand and I used to wear a vest, no bra, just a vest. Can you imagine such a thing, right? Okay. Now, if I was to do that, it would, I don't know where they'd be. I mean, they are small, but they still, how can they be small? They're like, what's the word? I don't want to say pendulous. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to say it. You know, like a Christmas decoration. They're not a big Christmas decoration. A little Christmas decoration, but with a long string. That's my tits. <laughs> so I'm not wearing a bra at the moment. I think your boobs look great, Maureen. Good that we're talking about this on a such a visual medium as, as a podcast. Listen, I think it's best if people use their imagination up, up until this point, don't you think? I do too. Our boobs are fantastic, everyone. Imagine the most beautiful boobs. Those are our boobs. Hey, and I also tried to go, and it wasn't successful, I tried to go jean shopping, which is also another nightmare, isn't it? Oh, God. But you don't wear jeans, Boreen. Why would you even try? I used to wear jeans. I can't get into them. But but, but they used to have a thing for skinny jeans and low waist, which for a middle-aged woman is, is just a nightmare. But high waists are back in and flares. So I tried to get them. So the high waist was in, the flare was in. Unfortunately, the crotch looked like less camel toe, more camel feet. More than one camel's hoof down there. That's worrying. <laughs> I think work your way towards those. I think you look great in a dress. I don't know why you're even attempting the denim thing. And also, look, ever since lockdown, we can all agree, jeans aren't comfortable, are they? We all want to be an elastic waist or something with a bit of give. I'm mad at the world for buttons. Go to hell, everyone. Come on, stay with elasticized. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? We're missing our chance. I talked about this on the new material night and I've I've always kept it in the back of my mind. I was like, we are blowing this, everyone. We're the ones blowing it right now. We could just nothing but elasticize. Maureen, I'm like you. I don't think I've worn a pair of jeans or even trousers. Well, I wear trousers sometimes at home, but I don't think I've worn a pair of jeans for, I mean, over 10, 15 years now. I mean, skinny jeans, who invented that? I mean, seriously. Well, the same people that invent all fashion. Skinny people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, we've had oh, we haven't even discussed our weeks, and frankly, who cares? It's been <laughs> whatever this has been has been, too, in fact, too much. So let's go over. Let's go over. We got to Alison. We have no choice. We've got to head over to the corner of this uh, Zoom screen that has more in it because it's time to find out what her body moment is. I'd managed to block myself as a spam sender. I chose my own number and my own contact to block. <laughs> oh my God, Maureen, I don't, under I mean, I understand, but I don't understand. I've got to shut this down now. I've got to shut it down. Okay, well, this uh, this happened, I think, I believe in 2002. So this is a classic. So I wanted to go and see The York Realist, which was a play with uh, Anne Reid and Richard Coyle in it. I was desperate to see it. And it's been described as a slab of social realism. So it's all about class and your roots and all that. And I, I'd left it a bit late. So I was, I was on, on at the Strand. So I ran, you know, I got the tube, got to the Strand, kind of ran into the theatre. Well, ran. I walked quickly into the theatre, uh, bought a ticket, uh, sat down. And there was an orchestra in the pit, which I thought that's very unusual for a play. I mean, I've spent a lot of money just getting an orchestra. That's a bit weird. Didn't think anything of it. Orchestra starts playing classical music. I'm like, God, oh, this is, wasn't expecting this for a play called The York Realist. Then a Beefeater comes on stage and I'm like, God, that's a bit odd. Because I just, you know, York Realist, Beefeater doesn't seem to have much in <laughs> God. And then he starts singing opera and I'm like, God, I wasn't expecting this. You know, this is quite an unusual start to a play called The York Realist and it's all about class. I read the reviews. And then I thought, God, it'd be really funny if I'd gone to the wrong theatre. 
And then I looked at my ticket and basically I bought a ticket to see Yeoman of the Guard by Gilbert and Sullivan. I had gone to the wrong bit. <laughs> Boy, look at Alison's face because there's a lot going on there. <laughs> there's just, there's a lot of steps and stages that you had to go through to get to the, and you, you did them all. The play I wanted to see was at the Strand. I went to the Savoy. Now, if anybody knows the Savoy Theatre, there's a massive billboard at the front of the building on the top. I mean, it's humongous. So there would have been a massive banner saying Yeoman of the Guard. The ticket said Yeoman of the Guard. Posters said Yeoman of the Guard. Uh, the woman selling programmes, which I asked about, but they were too expensive, so I'm not paying that, £3.50 or whatever it was, had Yeoman of the Guard. And the fact there was an orchestra on, and none of these, because I was so convinced I'd gone to the right theatre, like all these signs that would have told somebody they're actually in the wrong building, I just completely ignored because I was convinced I was going to see the York Realist. Even when they started singing opera, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that, Maureen, because you've literally just said it yourself. Everything said Yeoman of the Guard. Everyone around you was going, oh, I can't wait to see Yeoman of the Guard. <laughs> you sat down and went, I cannot believe that this is Yeoman of the Guard when I've actually wanted to go and see some heightened naturalistic. Did you enjoy it at least, Maureen? Did you enjoy the play? I can't really remember. I mean, I paid 15 quid, so I thought oh, I'm going to bloody watch it. I'm going to get my money's worth. And then I had to go back the next day to see the York realist but I just love the fact that you know because it was such a obviously the complete ends of the theatrical structure York realist with Anne Reid and then me watching a beefy to singing light opera I think this speaks a lot to Maureen's character though if I may say the strong-headed will like nope I'm I'm going to see this play and although all the signs in the universe were like you're not seeing this play you know Alison you're so right so like if I was trying to meet you so I was going to meet you at some building and you walked towards me I would walk past you because in my head I'm meeting you at that building I am not surprised but I am delighted <laughs> I, 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 look I just need to unpack that now so you um are thinking I'm going to see a play okay this is the play I'm going to see and I'm going to see it at this theater Okay, and you know the theatre that you're going to see the play, but you still go to another theatre that isn't the theatre that you know where the play is. And then once you get to that theatre, even though you know it's not the right theatre, you still go, this is the theatre. And when the play starts and it's the wrong play, you still go, this is the play that I'm watching. Because you're completely bonkers, Maureen Younger. Because there's so many clues along the way that you ignored. My guess is you were also running a bit late. You were probably running a bit late, yeah. So she's rushing in, she's buying her things, people are talking to her, some woman's trying to sell her an expensive program. She's like, out of my way, I'm going. In my defense, both theaters on the same street. In your defense. <laughs> well, there's no defense, Maureen. That's, that is, uh, there's no, I'm sorry, but I, 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 there's nobody listening to this that goes, oh yeah, well, to be fair to Maureen, everybody listening to this is going, what are you talking about? I'm going to try to find some defense here for you because at the moment in your 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 defense is a terrible defense. I'm going to say that sometimes look, all of us have it in our mind that something's happening and it isn't happening. We've all done that and we don't check the ticket. I've done that. But I would like to think that once I saw the poster <laughs> well, Maureen, I just very briefly was like in your defense and there was none. So, well done. That's an absolute classic. I think that go, that one will go down in history as one of the finest Be More Maureen moments <laughs> of Series 3, almost certainly. Congratulations. Thank you very much. If, if only we could ring a bell. Ding, 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 ding. I did that to save Leanne having to find us a bell sound. 
Okay, so let's head over to Alison. It's only you that can save this now with a little bit of common sense because it's time to ask Alison. Go to the gym, get it together, pay your taxes and stop eating chips. Take my advice. Take my advice. I ain't using it. Yes. Okay. Time to ask me. This is a good one. I love this one. Okay. So here we go. It is about being shy, everyone, which I'm sure you're like, what do you know about being shy, Allison? But I'll tell you this. As a child, I did not speak for many years. In fact, I didn't speak until I was, God, even grade two, I wasn't really talking. What's, how old's grade two, Allison? So what would that be? Yeah, about seven. I just, I mean, I spoke at home and what, but just in classrooms and that. So I got tested because they were like, is she, what's going on with this one? Turns out I had a genius IQ. Moving on. Okay, so being shy, here it is. I am a 30-year-old woman who is quite shy by nature and have been all my life. Always been the quiet one in school and that carried on into my adulthood. Although I have no problem getting things done at work or at home, I find it hard to be commanding or authoritative. I want to be a leader, but sometimes I find it difficult even to look at people in the eye. I care too much of what people think of me. How do I give less of a... And she didn't use the word because she's very nice. She put all the asterisks, but I'll say it. Less of a fuck. That's number one. Start saying fuck. All right, moving on. Here we go. So shyness. Okay, I I was looking into this. And first off, uh, there's shyness, there's social anxiety, and there's introversion. They're very different things. Shyness is something that you can get over. It, it, it tends to get less the more you feel comfortable around people and you start to open up. Social anxiety can be so overwhelming that you don't even want to get into the environment with other people. You literally start to cancel things. You don't want to go out to places. And then introversion is actually when you just know you need to have time by yourself to be able to function the best. So you need to take time out for yourself. So there's different types. So the first thing I want to say is I think if you feel you're a shy person or if you have social anxiety, you need to identify your triggers and realize too that you are not alone. It's actually four out of 10 people that say they feel shy a lot of the time. And quite often, it's usually the people that you do not expect uh, to be shy that are shy. Um, So identifying your triggers. So what makes being outgoing hard for you? Make a list of some of the situations or places that maybe scare you, and you can pre-plan what you can do in these situations ahead of time. So let's say you have a group gathering, like uh, let's say a wedding. Before you get to the wedding, Why not make a list of maybe certain things you can talk about? A story that you uh, had with the bride or um, things that might interest you. The more you can prepare for these environments or have things in the back of your mind, the, the more comfortable you will be when you're in those situations. So I thought that was a really good thing. Listing out. Sometimes I do. Look, if I have a, a family call with a relative I haven't talked to for a while, I will literally make a list of topics, subject matter that I can go to if things start to die down. So uh, I think that's a really good thing that can help you. Give yourself some grace is the first thing I want to say to you. Give yourself some grace explore your strengths, okay? Stop beating yourself up over things that you think you aren't and focus on what you are. 
Look, you might be a bit quieter, you might be shy, but look, maybe you're an excellent artist. You Maybe you're very good with animals. Maybe you're a very compassionate and excellent listener. The world needs balance. Uh, we need different types of personalities. Focusing on your strengths will also give you more confidence and make you recognize what you do know you're good at and help you to stop self-sabotaging yourself. So that's one thing I want you to realize is that sometimes being the quieter, shy person is your strength. So stop looking at it as a negative and see it as a good thing and explore the other good things about yourself. Uh, don't fall into the trap of the spotlight effect. And I love this. Okay. This was a really big lesson for me. The spotlight effect thinks that everyone around you is focused on you. Okay. That you think that everyone's judging you. Everyone's looking at you. A friend of mine once said to me, which at first I thought it was <laughs> a little bit of a, an insult. He said, it's not about you right? These things, it's not about you. And I was like, well, what is that supposed to mean? And then I thought about it and I was like, you're right. Nine times out of 10, the way someone reacts to something or, or it's not about you, they're going through their own shit in the day. So just remember that the spotlight isn't on you. And if there is a weird reaction, it's probably got nothing to do with you. Okay. So don't be a victim of the spotlight. Be mindful. Okay. Mindfulness in conversations makes it a lot easier to communicate. It's not the quantity of conversation, but it is the quality. And the more you can actually be present, the easier it will be for you to engage and have things to say. So really work on being in the moment. And also this will help you to really realize maybe what relationships you want to have. Maybe some conversations you're like, actually, this is hard because I don't want to be in this conversation. But you have to be aware before you can really judge a situation. Create a visualization. Look, I'm a big believer in visualizing. If you can't see it, you're never going to be it, is what I like to say in my head. So imagine yourself in these situations. And even think about a person that you think is really good in these situations and choose them as kind of a role model. And then when you're visualizing yourself in these situations, just think, well, what would they do? How would they handle this sort of thing? Visualizing being these situations will really help you. Breathe deep. That's another thing I want to say to you. Deep breaths. Take deep breaths. The more deep breathing you do, the more your mind settles and your body relaxes. And that will help you to be in the moment as well. I know you're probably going to know this one, but body language is a big thing. Hold your head up high when you're talking to people and look them in the eye. It may feel uncomfortable, but the more you practice it, the easier it will get. And as I'm saying this, both Maureen and Jen are not looking at me. Just so you all know, right at this moment, they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, they, you don't have to, girls. Uh, but, but practicing looking in the eye and holding your head high, even if it feels uncomfortable, it, it, it does do a lot for you. And the last thing I really want to encourage you to do on a daily level, engage with people that you normally wouldn't. Start small. The bank teller. Maybe ask them a question that's a little out of the norm, has something to do not with banking. Someone in the line in front of you. Perhaps try and just engage. Ask a question. It may feel weird. You might even get a weird reaction, but who cares? This is about you building up your strengths and learning to get better at communicating. And every time you do that, every time you try that, I want you to write it down. I want you to keep a record of your successes because the more you keep a record of the successes, the more you're going to realize there's more success than failure. All right. So those are very, very big things. Keeping a success journal even. I know it sounds silly, but you know me. I'm a big fan of the journaling. And remember, shyness, this won't go away overnight, 
but you are worth it. And we all want you to work on this because we want to know you and we want to, you know, experience you. And you're doing us all a favor by getting over this because then we get a little bit more of you and we want that. That is my advice for today. Can't believe you didn't ask uh, me and Jen about how we deal with our shyness. Yeah. <laughs> how we overcome our natural timidity so easily. <laughs> well, I, I, I can relate to being in situations where I don't feel comfortable, definitely. And I'm not myself. There's lots of work situations I've been in where I'm like, I'm out of my depth here. I don't know how to be me. I don't, I, I, I'm, you, do, do you know what I mean? And you end up being somebody else. Uh, or, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know it's not quite the same, but you, you find yourself out of your depth and uh, you are uncomfortable and you feel like everyone's like, oh, she's really shit at her job. But that's not what's happening because they're all thinking, oh, my God, I'm real shit at my job. Like everyone's in their own head. Yeah. I mean, what, what you realize is that you you kind of assume that the world evolves around you and people think around you. And actually, very rarely are people thinking about you. The work, their world doesn't revolve around you. They're too busy with their own their, their own stuff. And actually, when you you put it into that perspective, because you kind of always see it from your own view, but actually, in the grand scheme of things, people very rarely care about what you've said or what you've done. That's why when you realize it's not about you, it kind of takes the pressure off, and you're like, oh, I can just be, and it probably won't. You know, it's my actions aren't necessarily determining every situation. You know, it, it it does take the pressure off. Yeah. And hey, I think a lot of comedians, okay, we all come across as extroverted, but quite often we are not. I, when reading about the shyness and the social anxi anxiety and the introverted, I was very intrigued by that because I was like, oh, I'm definitely an introvert because I absolutely need um, a certain amount of time on my own. And in fact, my friend Jody used to give me a hassle because she'd be like, oh, you know, we're going to go to this thing or go to that thing. And I was like, I can't do all these things. Like, that's too many people for me to be around in one short period of time. And she's like, but you're so good at it. I was like, yeah, because I balance it out. I spend a lot of time on my own so I can have my own time. And then I'm I'm ready for groups. So I, I identify as an introverted person, which I thought was really interesting. I'm partly introverted, definitely. I'm not, I don't have an extrovert personality. I don't like being in big groups of people uh, trying to hold court or anything like that. I like one-on-one. -on -one. I like to be with one other person, <laughs> preferably. Um, the only time I like to do the uh, performance bit is on stage. Uh, I love that. That's great fun. Uh, but outside of that, I, I, don't, I don't enjoy the company of lots of people. I don't have a big group of friends. I have very, very few friends. And the friends that I do have, I speak to regularly. And uh, that's it. And I really um, feel uncomfortable uh, when I'm in a big group of comedians. I, I don't enjoy it. And they might all be friends of mine. Uh, but if I'm in a big group of comedians, I don't like it. Because then it becomes something else. It becomes like a competitive who can be the funniest in the room. And I'm like, okay, you, you are. You can be the funniest. You win, yeah. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll just sit in the corner and I'll, I'll be completely mute. I won't speak. Often in green rooms, I don't say anything because I'm like, I can't get into this shit, whatever this is. I can't be bothered. I haven't got the energy. You know, with lots of guys going, hey, banter. I'm like, banter yourself, you prick. I, I, I've got... I can't be bothered. And I love being alone. And I know that Maureen does too, as much as she wangs on about being an extrovert. I do love being alone, but I would probably I am probably an extrovert. And somebody once said to me, you take up a lot of space in a room. And I kind of, but I, I do kind of know what they mean by that. But I, I, but I think because I've travelled a lot and lived abroad a lot as well, that helps. I kind of, I don't know, I, I kind of like being in different companies and, and different 
uh, different with different people. So I, I do kind of enjoy it. But you're right. I mean, I don't like. But the thing with with you, a lot of comedians, basically, they don't talk to you unless you're as successful as they are, or you can give them work. So generally, I get ignored because I can't get them work, and I'm not as successful as they are. So that you know that that kind of industry thing where you're just like, I I tend to look for the shy person. I always look for a quiet person. Like uh, even if I'm not around comedians, like even when I was in groups of comedians, I'd always look for like the girlfriend or the wife or the boyfriend, and I'd be like, hello, you being overlooked because I knew at least I'm going to have a genuine conversation with somebody. Whereas sometimes, especially you know when we're gathered with comedians, it's probably because we're about to do a show or there's and everyone's in their head so I always try to like communicate a bit with the person who's probably not in their head just to be like you are normal and grounded and this is the energy I need to feel. Alison that was really good advice and um, I think uh, very useful to have some tools to mind and also just to have some things in your head to remind yourself of what is really happening in a room. I think that's quite tricky isn't it Uh, to, to remind yourself that it isn't all about you. We could all we could all use that as a lesson. Alison June Smith thank you so much for your Ask Alison section once again. What a triumph, Maureen! I'm not. I'm not. I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at Alison. I'm just telling her. What <laughs> She's is. engaging me in my eyes. Thank you. Okay, okay Maureen's face. <laughs> Maureen's like I will not allow my eyes to not be engaged right now. Maureen, you look surprised that you're here. I've just woken up, and yet she still has applied mascara and lipstick. I just want to. Point it's called out. being professional, Alison. <laughs> A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, what have we all been watching on television? Maureen, come on, what obscure nonsense. <laughs> As you know, this time it's not Austrian, you'll be pleased to know. I watched the two episodes of Vigil. Have you been watching Vigil? No, What? what is it? Oh, it's by the makers of Line of Duty. I think you'd like it. So basically what's happened is somebody's died. I won't say who, because that was a bit of a shocker. Someone's died on a British nuclear submarine, but it was in British waters. So it's got to be investigated by uh, Scottish waters as well. So it's got to be investigated by somebody from Police Scotland, who happens to be Saran Jones. So she's stuck on this. I mean, it's for drama. It's great. She's stuck on this nuclear submarine 
and she's not allowed to uh, message people outside. Somebody's died and then suddenly other things go wrong. And then there's this kind of, you don't know if she's having this frisson with this other female detective. It's a bit of frisson there. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff on that. On Twitter. Look at look at Jen perk up. I know to sell something to Jen. I'm suddenly in the room again. <laughs> and there's all this nuclear stuff going on and then... But you know what, there's like, there's one guy who looks like the real baddie and it looks like he might be the murderer. And there's one guy who's really nice, but this is a Jed Mercurio thing. So you probably think the nice guy's probably the real baddie in this. But it's, it's there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of tension. And uh, it's it's a great drama. Saran Jones is great. She's a woman with a background. She's got a tragic backstory, which we're getting glimpses of. And she's a very a good policewoman, but she's being, uh, you know, they the Navy aren't that appreciative of her. Let's put it that way. They don't really want someone coming in on a nuclear submarine and they believe they're being tracked secretly by the by the Russians which is also big news and some trawler's gone down and they, they're they keeping quiet about that so there's a lot of stuff going on but it honestly it's it's really I, I look I'll tell you how good it is I didn't look at my phone once while both episodes were on wow if ever there was a defense for Trident this sounds like it was it <laughs> I sh- well we'll see about that yeah okay all right well, it sounds interesting it's on BBC is it or BBC so you can catch up on iPlayer Great. I'm going to I'm going to do that. In fact, Chloe's so sick of me um, uh, taking. Well, I mean, she she has said that I uh, dominate uh, the television viewing, which I, I don't think I do. I, I, all I say is there's only so many episodes of Gogglebox I want to watch and then I want to get onto something else. <laughs> uh, Chloe is very much like, oh, let's watch Gogglebox. And I'm like, oh, not again. Or she wants to watch. Um, what's that? Grand Designs. No, I'm out. Uh, so I think she liked Vigil. I think she liked it. No, no, she loves the BBC drama. That's where we can both. That's where our Venn diagram crosses. So when I introduce the the Vigil thing, she'll be she'll she'll be so delighted. And I'll say it's, I'll say it was a Maureen recommendation, and she'll be she'll be back in the room again. <laughs> I keep saying back in the room. I mean that's something I've never actually said before. Now I've said it twice. I don't know what that's today. Called. You're working it. You're working being in the room. Yeah. It comes from a limited vocabulary. What have you watched, Jen? Um, what have I been watching? Well, I have finished watching a drama on is it a drama it's not it's, i suppose it's a comedy satire but it does have drama in it the white lotus which you can see on sky uh, or now tv it, it's uh, was created written directed by mike white and it has um murray bartlett connie Britton, jennifer coolidge and uh steve zan uh, Jack Lay- Jake Lacey. Anyway, it's got lots of great uh, actors in it, and it was it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, there are bits of it. It's very dark, and there are bits of it which I laugh out loud. Funny. Would I call it a comedy? I don't know that I would actually. I I I, I thought there was more drama than comedy. I mean, there, like I said, there are some really really funny bits in it, and I love Jennifer Coolidge in pretty much anything. She's one of my faves. Yeah, I liked it. I didn't I didn't love it, but I did I did I enjoyed it. And it's uh, basically set in a hotel in Hawaii called the White Lotus over the course of a week where all of these separate families or couples are having a vacation. See what I did there? I used the American term there. That's what I'm doing. Just I'm just, just to get the, the, the North Americans on side. Do you see what I did there? It felt natural to me. I just want you to know. Yeah, it felt natural. Really struggled to say that. Holidation. Vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it's just... All of them are having a pretty awful time for different reasons at this hotel. And it obviously at the end of the week, it culminates in being a bit of a big, whatever, dramatic moment. Like I said, it's set in Hawaii as well, which is, it's always, it's always nice to have a beautiful backdrop like that, isn't it? But um, 
it, it does do a lot of commentary on things that are relevant to now, uh, like white privilege. And uh, uh, it really does uh, put that under the microscope. Um, there are lots of different characters who are well-meaning, but just, you know, dickheads. And there are other characters who are just dickheads. Um, but look, I, I'm not giving you a lot of information, really, because I feel like it's something you have to watch for yourselves. But I can recommend it. Not Like I said, not my fave show, but I can recommend it. And if you have uh, Now TV or Sky, check it out. It's there for you. And if you are in the United States of America, obviously you can watch it on HBO. I covered all the bases there. I could do this for a living. You really could. <laughs> <laughs> and using words like vacation makes you international, Jen. That's great. You could do it internationally now. <laughs> I've always wanted to be international. I knew it was going to happen at some point, and now I've crossed that line, haven't I? I have. Today. Today's that day. What about horrors? What's what's the horror scene? Yeah. All right. I'm I'm taking you back to one of my personal favorites, uh, 2001, everyone. And uh, my, my movie of choice, because uh, I was talking about shyness, and so I was like, oh, shy, coming out of it, coming of age. So I kind of went with a coming of age theme, because we, we can come up age at any time. And I went uh, with a fabulous horror movie called Ginger Snaps. It is the story of two outcast sisters, Ginger, Catherine Isabel, and Bridget, Emily Perkins, in the mindless suburban town of Bailey Downs on the night of Ginger's first period. She is savagely attacked by a wild creature. Ginger's wounds miraculously heal, but something is not quite right. Now Bridget must save her sister and save herself. Yes, everyone, it is a werewolf movie. This movie is Heather's meets an American werewolf. It is so great. And it all, I just loved it too, because you know, a girl, her first period and she gets attacked by a werewolf. That sounds about right. That's how I felt. It's great. It's great because the one girl, so she gets bitten and you can see the movie, but she then like really gets a sense of herself. She's super sexy. And at first she... (laughs) So she starts to pick up all the hot boys in school and then eats them. It's great, guys. It's great. Yeah, yeah. So there's like a real, if you ever felt like the underdog, this is great. But then there's also the her sister who is loving and worried about her. And also like, you know, she's the good person. So it's it's her gaining her strength and like trying to save her sister, trying to save everyone from getting eaten, even though she doesn't like necessarily all these like jock type characters. But um. It's just great. It, it, if you take a step back and, and go, okay, yeah, this isn't a ridiculous movie. There's so many themes that I actually think a lot of people can relate to. And um, it's not it's not so much um, scary. It's just a bit more, um, it's a bit more gory. There's a, there's a lot of eating and tearing apart. And uh, I really enjoy it, everyone. Ginger Snaps. I love that the tagline on this movie is they don't call it the curse for nothing. Wow. What a tagline. Hey? Yeah. <laughs> That's a great wow. tagline. Wow. I am. Um, I'll watch it just for the tagline. <laughs> <laughs> where can know, you see it, Alison? Where, can, where can you see it? You Okay. So I found you can rent it on Amazon Prime right now. It was on Netflix for a while. Hopefully it'll be back. But, you know, hopefully after this, this plug of it, there's going to be so many people interested in watching it that Netflix is going to be forced to put it back on. Uh, but yeah, you can rent it Amazon Prime. I'm sure you can hunt it down somewhere. It gets really good ratings. In Rotten Tomatoes, it gets 90%. 
Amazon uh, gives it four and a half out of five. IMDb gives it, well, IMDb, I mean, who knows what, who the hell, who the, I have to understand how that rating even happens on IMDb, but it got, got 6.8, which from, let's face it, for a horror movie is pretty good because often it's 2.2. So yeah, that looks like, I mean, I was thinking about watching it because I really enjoyed American Werewolf in London is one of my favourite movies. Oh, it's great. That's a great movie. Warren, you do know that's a horror movie. Yeah, I, I went to see it in the cinema. Oh, oh my God. I Sorry, how did you watch that? You watched The Princess Bride the other week and was you were scared watching that. No, I did. Well, I obviously didn't realise how, how scary it was. I screamed. I didn't. I don't know if I can't remember screaming, but I know we were walking back to my mates, and then some. And one of the one of my friends jumped out behind a car or something. I just I screamed then. But yeah, the the, the horror bits are quite. I kind of don't really watch them, but I I think it's a great movie, and I think the love scene with him and Jenny Agatha is one of the best love scenes in the movie. Ah, I mean that was very confusing for me to watch. Very confusing. <laughs> I remember being quite young watching that and looking at Jenny Agatha going, I just what. That's a strange feeling I'm having. Very lovely. Goes on and on and on. Get in, get involved with that. Anyway, it's a great movie. I loved it. And also it's quite funny in parts, isn't it? It's quite amusing. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that. And, and there is no better suspense than the scene on Tottenham Court Road where that guy, does he have a bowler hat? Oh, yeah, yeah, where he's been chased. He's been chased. He's been chased by the werewolf. That's terrifying. And, and and ages afterwards, I would be on in the subway. I don't think that subway exists anymore because everything's changed because of Crossrail. But you'd be walking down. It's a really long, I think it's where the central line is, really long tunnel. And that's where they film that scene. And you'd walk down and you'd be like, because ah, ah, they at night, there were, there were never that many people. You'd be like, oh, this is the scene where the American werewolf comes out. Great movie. Great movie. Uh, but... Um, Ginger Snap sounds great, but you did put me off a little bit with the gory bit because I can't really do gore. But I say that. I love The Walking Dead, so maybe I can do gore. The, well, that's what I mean. If you can handle The Walking Dead, it's that sort of gore. You know what I mean when I say gore? Like, obviously, there's a lot of she's she's eating people, you know, so just there's a little bit of that. Yeah. There's a little bit of her Just think people, of me but... eating a jacket potato. Maybe that would help. Yeah, if you can live through that, you're fine with this. <laughs> I would rather watch someone's face being eaten off. Actually, more than watch you eat a jacket potato. We've said I've said it before, and I'll say it, I'll say it again. Alison, thank you very much. Another great suggestion. I think people genuinely love the horror section because they love watching horror films. They give them a go. I appreciate it. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. Oh God, it's Maureen again, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's time to get cultured. But this is why we go horror films and then we go back to culture. We're like, yeah, here's some trash and now let's uh, let's refine ourselves again. Hey, Alison. Oh, it's morning again. <laughs> ah! Come on, Warren, give us your cultural corner, for Christ's sake. Of course, it's the corner time that is often cultural, but sometimes just batshit. <laughs> Actually, the reason I chose this this one was because I watched The Princess Bride this week as well, which I hadn't watched for years. I think I saw that in the, originally in the cinema as well. Um, and it was it was going to be directed by Richard Lester. And that reminded me, like, two of my favourite films, my most favourite films from childhood, are The Three Musketeers and The Four Musketeers. I don't know if you've seen them. Like, Not the recent one. The recent film was awful. I haven't watched the TV series. Uh, June Allison actually appeared in The Three Musketeers with Gene Kelly. 
your namesake. But this, I think, is like the they're, they're just fantastic. They're glorious. They're not a send up in the sense that the Princess Bride is, but there's a lot of humour. So they, they kind of take the tropes. There's a lot of swashbuckling and heaving bosoms, you know, the type of thing you expect. But they take the tropes and they make fun of them. So, like, for example, uh, Faye Dunaway's Milady, she's in a sedan chair at one point, and the people who can sedan chair go, because she's putting a few pounds, doesn't she? You know, and all this, and you know, they're talking about how fat she's, how much she weighs, and she's kind of sitting there going, what the hell's going on? Or there's a scene where the guys are hiding in the, the trees to jump on the riders who are, who they're trying to attack, and they miss, so they just fall on the floor. You know, it's all that kind of joke taken. It's got a great cast. Michael York, who's like the, the, the go-to man in British films in the 1970s. He's D'Artagnan, very sexy in this. You've got Oliver Reed as Athos, Richard Chamberlain as Aramas, Frank Phineas as Paul Thos. You've got Christopher Lee as Rochefort, you know, the baddie, and Charlton Heston. And it's just, honestly, it's just a lot of fun. So you can buy them on Amazon. They're just such fun, fun movies. And a lot of action as well. They're, they're just absolutely brilliant. Sword fighting is great. And also a bit of trivia for you. Uh, there's a thing called the Salkin course, which was made because of this film, because they were meant to make this one big movie. And what the producers did was then divide it up in two, didn't tell the actors, didn't tell the crew. So they were pissed off because they got paid for one movie and ended up being in two. So now you've got this clause in movie making where you're not allowed to do that. So single productions um, cannot be split into film um, installments without prior agreement. So that's down to Salkind. There was also a later film. Uh, from 1989 called Return of the Musketeers with most of the old cast, including Kim Cattrall, who played the baddie in it. Totally recommend these movies. Have you seen them, you guys? No. I mean, I have seen The Three Musketeers with Charlie Sheen and Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, no, that's a dreadful movie. That's the one I saw. <laughs> yeah. And Chris O'Donnell, what a classic, Moyne. I, I actually might, I'm actually going to say that maybe that one's better. What do you Well, you can't because you, you haven't seen the other one to make a comparison, have you? I have. I have actually. I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, no. The, the latest movie is dreadful. The three must This be... isn't the latest movie. It's got Kiefer Sutherland and Charlie Sheen in it. I mean, it's like... That is the latest, that is the latest version of it. No, that's, that was 2001. There's been one since then. No, there there's, been a, there's been a, there's actually an even more recent one. It's called The Musketeers. And that was, uh, what year was that? Let's have a look. It was much more recent anyway. Oh, actually, no, you're right, Maureen. That was a series. Maureen's yes. correct. Ooh. That was the most recent one. Don't argue with me um, in my cultural corner. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Trying <laughs> to get one up on your corner of culture. <laughs> what an error that was. lose my shit over okay this is it right let's go it's happening now <laughs> I cannot handle this <laughs> Jen what has got your goat yeah what's getting the goat I think I'll tell you what's getting my goat is audience members that don't seem to understand the art form that is stand-up comedy okay <laughs> and take what you say literally have you, have you met these people? They go, oh, well, I saw you do some material about this the other day. And you're like, yeah, OK, look, just just understand that when I'm doing stand up comedy, particularly if it's around my family or my children. Yeah. I am taking a moment that is quite heightened. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, I, I, this annoys me when the kids do this. And what I do is I take that moment and it is a moment. And then I put it on stage. Yeah. To make laughs and jokes and in that moment in that moment i would have felt angry and cross and then i take that moment and i reenact it on stage for humor and jokes and giggles yeah 
I don't feel like that all the fucking time, okay? That's not, if I felt like that all the f- time, I, I, I should be sectioned. <laughs> I, I, understand, understand how comedy works. Comedy does not work if I say to, oh, oh I love my children. I, I, I actually, they've made my life better. <laughs> Hello, is this microphone on? Of course, that's not funny, is it? It's not funny. <laughs> what is funny is I take a moment which drives me insane and then I reenact that moment on stage and I explain to you why it makes me feel insane and then you can, then it, as an audience, you go, oh, that's quite cathartic because sometimes I feel a bit nuts when those things happen. But understand, that is, is all that, that, that ultimately, of course I love my children. Of course I love my children. But this is, this is stand-up comedy I'm doing. Do you understand what stand up comedy is when I'm, when I'm telling you a story about anything understand that i'm taking a moment from my life that's not how i feel all the time just understand stand up comedy do you know what i mean and you know and if anyone's listening to this go oh i think that might be me it's you i'm talking to you okay don't ever go up to don't ever go up to a comedian and, and take what they say literally this it's it's stand up because we're standing up, okay? And then at the end of that, you'll find a word called comedy. Comedy. Okay? So chill the fuck out. That's what's got my goat. That's an excellent goat to get, Jen. That was great. Oh, we can all relate. Yeah. Don't message me about whether or not I love my children. I love my children. Just, just, just fucking understand, understand how comedy works. Did somebody actually do that? Oh, yeah. People are like, oh, maybe you shouldn't have had children. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Maybe you shouldn't go to a stand-up comedy show because you don't seem to understand what comedy is. So I think I think the lesson that we've learned there is that comedy isn't for you. Yeah, maybe you should go and watch uh, uh, some fucking literal play. York Realist. Yeah, you should go and watch at, at the Savoy and then be like, well, why are they singing opera? Anyway, um, sorry that that that's got my goat. I don't know if you can relate to it as comedians, but that's my goat got. Look. I'd like to say I'm on my period, but I'm not. I've got. I'm going through the menopause. But <laughs> if I was, if I was, I think I, I, I am premenstrual. If I was menstruating, okay. Oh dear, I feel better though. All I'm saying, if there was a menopause wolf, you'd be attacked right now, Jen. That's a the werewolf would be on you. I think Jen would win, though. To be fair, Jen would win. That's why there are no <laughs> menopausal werewolves. <laughs> They've been destroyed. <laughs> You, you never, you don't mess with a woman that's going through the menopause. What, are you mad? No, back off. We only, we will win this. We will win. Women talking bollocks. Thanks so much for listening. Please do continue to like and subscribe on our Acast page wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a wonderful message saying how much you enjoy our dulcet tones, particularly mine. And we're also on Patreon now, so we're going to be sharing extra content and we'd love you to join us there. Join us. (laughs) Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 